Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. To be bold in a way that does not come naturally. There is a connection between faith and boldness. And we've been in our sermon series this summer on facets of faith, and boldness is one of those. Today we're going to talk about bold faith. And we're going to look at the life of a a young man named Jonathan to do that. Now, Jonathan is not, uh, if we went out out of here and took a survey and and listed people in the Bible, and we put Jonathan's name on the list, people probably go, well, no, he wasn't in the Bible, right? Who's Jonathan? Who ever heard of Jonathan? Well, Saul was uh, the first king of Israel, and his son was Jonathan. Okay, and Jonathan serves with his father. Jonathan serves as one of the military leaders with his father. And we're going to look at a story today from early, the early part of uh, this story. But probably the bigger part of the story is that over time, King Saul, Jonathan's father, sins against God. He, he doesn't trust God. He doesn't wait on God. He doesn't do things the way God has told him to do. And so God has determined that he is going to remove King Saul and replace him with David. Now, we know that name, right? King David. And he's going to, at some point, he's going to replace him with this. Now, what's interesting is that in a normal state of affairs, when Saul passed off the scene, who would become king? His son, Jonathan. But Jonathan observes what's going on. And Jonathan, I believe, is, is a man of faith. And he realizes that God is indeed replacing his father, not with himself, Jonathan, but with David. Now, a normal state of affairs, what would a person in Jonathan's place do? He would make sure that David was not in the picture anymore. But instead, Jonathan submits himself to the Lord and his plan and become supportive of David becoming the king in place of his father, which put him in a real hard place with his father. So much so that at one point his father tries to kill him. But Jonathan shows remarkable boldness in his life. That's a bold thing to do, isn't it? To say to your father, you know what? I'm sorry I'm not supporting you anymore. I'm supporting the one who's going to take your place. That's a bold, bold move. And so we see that Jonathan's life is a life of boldness. Now, when we talk about being bold, what do we mean? We don't mean loud. Could be loud, but doesn't have to be. Doesn't mean harsh, you know, or or violent or anything. That bold, bold, that's what bold means. Bold means being confident and, and courageous in the face of risk. Go ahead and put that up if you would. Bold means being confident and courageous in the face of risk. In other words, the step I'm looking at taking is a risky step. I, I, you know, the, I'm not sure what the outcome is going to be. It could be this. And, but you go ahead and take the step anyway. You take the step. And as we see in Jonathan's life, and we're going to see more pointedly in a little bit, that um, faith decisions 
are bold decisions. Faith decisions are bold decisions. So let's talk about this. Let's review this idea. And I know we talk about it every week, but hang in there with me. Uh, by the time we're done this summer, this will be, you'll just, you'll have it nailed. Remember, a living faith, the kind James talks about, the kind of faith that, that actually produces something in our lives. It's not just an intellectual knowledge or something. It's, it's, it's actually this living faith that, that makes a difference in our lives really has two big parts to it. And these two parts are really intertwined, but when we talk about it, we're going to separate them, okay, so we understand them. One part is knowing something. And sometimes we say we believe it, but I'll tell you this. You can say you believe something, but if it makes no difference in your life, you probably what? You don't really believe it. You just know it. <laughs> but sometimes we use that word here, okay? I believe, I know. So it's the idea of I know something. I know something about God. I know something about me. I know something about what the Bible says about my circumstances, whatever. I know these things. And then I choose to, this is the other part, trust. This is that stepping out on it and saying, okay, this is what is true. I am going to trust that and act upon that in my life. I'm going to live as though it's true because I believe it is true. And so those two things come together. We have this faith, this living faith. So when I say that faith, faith decisions are bold decisions, here, here's what's going on is that we know something is true about, you know, God, his word, our circumstances, whatever. Here we are, and we have to make a decision. Are we going to trust this or not? Here's the deal. Everything that comes natural to you as a human being says, don't trust. Are you with me on that? That comes natural to you as a human being. And, and also the world around you. Does it say, oh, yeah. Go with what God says. Anybody had that lately? No. Not usually, right? I mean, so the world around you. So, and do we know the future in any detail? No. So here we are. We're looking at, here's what I know. And if I choose to trust this, I don't know what's going to happen. There is, a, from a human perspective, an element of risk there, isn't there? And so when we decide, no, I'm going to be confident in God, I am going to trust and go. See, that's a bold decision. And we don't always think it's bold, and some certainly decisions seem a lot bolder than other decisions. I get that. But faith decisions are bold decisions. So we need to make a decision to be bold enough to believe. Bold enough to believe God. Now, this starts, has to start in a person's life by receiving Christ as Savior. And if, if this is new to you, or maybe you've heard us talk about it before, but what we're talking about is this. It's, it's, what do I know? And this may be new to you. You may not know this yet. But what I know is this, that God has said, and I've experienced the fact that I have sinned against a holy God. Far too often I've done my own thing. I have acted unlovingly to God. I have acted unlovingly to other people. I've not done things the way God says to do it. I haven't done things he said to do. I've done things he said not to do. I have sinned against a holy God. And he says that I will stand in judgment before him for that unless something changes, okay? And what can't change, I can't go back and undo anything I've done. It's impossible. Not to mention, I'm probably going to do it again, right? So I know this, but what else do I know? I know that the Bible says that God loved me so much 
that he sent his son into the world to be my savior. The Bible tells me that Jesus dies on, dies on the cross taking the penalty for my sin upon him and for your sins, the sins of the Lord. He dies for my sins to pay that penalty. He rose again from the dead, demonstrating that he is indeed the son of God, that he is Lord and that this is right. And he says that if I will Say, you know what, my old way of life, my way of doing things is the wrong way. I'm turning away from that. I'm turning to the Lord in this. I'm going to believe this about uh, his son dying for me and rising again. And by faith, I can receive him as Savior. And just if I do that, he says, every sin's forgiven. Every sin, beginning to end. My eternal destiny will now be heaven instead of hell, which I would have earned, hell. And then finally, God himself is going to move into my life and begin working on me from the inside, changing me from the inside out in good ways. So this is what I know. Okay? Now, your human nature does not want to give up control. Is that true? Yes, it is. I, mean, I think it is true. We aren't always conscious of it, but we don't like to give up control. And this involves giving up control. You're saying, I have no way to just, I am throwing myself on your mercy, God. And so here I am with that. Secondly, the world is going to say, are you crazy? Don't give your life up. Don't become one of those people. Right? But so there, there's a risk involved. How are people going to treat you after you make this decision? What is going to be required of you after you make this? You don't know this. There's a sense of risk, isn't there? But I'm saying, so you're going to say, you know what? doesn't matter. I am going with God on this. I receive Jesus my Savior. The best I know how I, I, I receive him. I put my faith in him. Because I, I want him to do those things that he's promised to do. And so that is a bold decision and brings us out to a new place. But you've got to be bold enough to believe. And if you haven't ever received Jesus as Savior, you need to do that. If you have any questions about that, please connect with us. We'd love to talk to you about that. Now, most of you in here today have already received Jesus as Savior. You too need to be bold enough to believe. Take those steps of boldness. So let's go to Jonathan's story now, one of the early stories. And uh, we'll see what we can learn about boldness and faith. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 14. It's page 325 in the Bible that's under the chairs. If you don't have a Bible with you, we really encourage you to pick up one of those Bibles under the chairs there in front of you and follow along. Turn to page 325. Now the setting for this, the setting for this is that Saul has become king. His son Jonathan is serving as one of his top military commanders. And there's a group of people who, who are problematic for Israel. Uh, let's see, let me think here. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> getting my bearings right here. So we have the land of Israel here. Over here is the Mediterranean Sea, and, and Israel lives in the, the land, north and south. There was a group of people uh, that migrated, you might say, but to the coastline of what is Israel. And they lived in the coastal areas. These, and they were known as the Philistines or Philistines, depending on how you say it. Okay? So they migrated in there. But 
as is normal, they didn't want to stay in the coastal areas. So they begin to move up into the highland areas. And as they do, they run into Israel, the people of Israel. They worship totally different gods, a different way of living. And so we end up with these battles. And, and you can actually, if you were to trace through uh, the, the uh, Old Testament, you can kind of tell how Israel was doing by where the battles are occurring. Because sometimes their, their battles are occurring farther inland and other times back toward the coast. But so the Philistines are a problem. They want to come in and, and take over Israel's territory. And so Jonathan... See him in bold right away. He sees this happening and he goes with his soldiers and attacks a, a Philistine outpost. Okay? And, and so gets them all riled up. All right, so they hear this, done this, and so, you know, Jonathan comes back and, and the Philistines are unhappy. And they get together, they, they put together this army of thousands and thousands with lots of chariots. And so... Israel, Saul calls for people, all the people from Israel to come and be prepared for battle, okay? But when they saw the size of the army, a lot of the people left. Israel's people left. They were scared. It says they went into hiding. They went and hid in caves and holes and, and, and thickets and all. They went into hiding because, and that, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Last week with Gideon, God's people were what? In hiding. And they're hiding again. Not all of them. They still have some of their soldiers with them. But so this is what has happened. And this is going to set the stage for what we're going to, to read here today. So let's go to 1 Samuel 14. It says, Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And I'm not quite sure why that is. I don't know if he thought his father would object or what. But anyway, he doesn't. But let me uh, help you out with this guy who bore his armor, the young man who bore his armor. Uh, there was a tradition in the, the battles of this time that sometimes this guy would be carrying a shield or he might be carrying other weapons for the, the person he was armor bearer for. Uh, but what we're going to see is he actually would be involved in the fighting as well. What's going to happen here, we're going to see at some point uh, Jonathan fighting and, and hitting someone, you know, maybe cutting, they fall, and the young man comes behind and kills them. So they're a team. They work together. Verse 2, And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men, against thousands, by the way. Ahijah, the son of Ahitab, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh was wearing an ephod. And an ephod was uh, an instrument that they used to uh, discern what God's will was about certain things. So but the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. So Jonathan is headed toward the Philistines, and they don't know about it. Verse 4. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison... There was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of one was Bozes and the name of the other Senna. The front of one faced northward opposite Michmash and the other southward opposite Gibeah. So the, the author here is making it very clear where this happened. And what it sounds like is there was the, the main camp of the Philistines, but then there was a pass in the mountains where you could go up to that camp. And they had stationed soldiers there as well. But the bulk of the camp was farther back. Verse 8, 
Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. And by the way, he says uncircumcised because he is now contrasting. Let me read the rest of the verse. The garrison of these uncircumcised, it may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or few. But the fact that he, he calls them the uncircumcised is significant. And here's why. Circumcision was a sign of the covenant relationship that God gave to Abraham and then all of his male descendants after him. It was an indication that they were God's people by choice. Okay, They are God's people. And so when he refers to the uncircumcised, what he's saying is these are people who stand in opposition to God. These are people who are not surrendered to God. These are people who are the enemies of God's people. But I want you to see, how, how is Jonathan viewing life, including this battle? Is he just viewing it at this level, just on a horizontal level? There's us and there's them. No, there's what? There's God and there's us and there's them. He's seeing the life through this lens of a relationship with God and what God is doing. Now, this really wasn't part of what I originally planned to have in the sermon today, but just let me just take a moment and say to you that one of the most valuable things you could do in your life is to begin seeing your life as about God and what he's doing. Because as long as you're viewing it as, oh, it's about what this person's doing, what I'm doing, and what's happening in the world around me, oh, God, are you there? Could you help out a little bit? That's not the way it works. But if we will say, God, I am yours today. I want to walk through this life with you today. What do you want to do in me, God? How do you want to change me today? And when things happen, you have that conversation, God, God, what do you want me to learn? How, how do I respond to this? What is your words? We have this ongoing awareness of God. And then, God, what do you want to do through me into the life of this person who's in front of me? How do you want me to glorify you this day? And when you walk through life like that, it will change everything for you in, in, in really, really good ways, okay? So this is that was just kind of a little bonus there, all right? Let's go on. Verse 7, so his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, very well, let us cross over to these men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say thus to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say thus, come up to us, then we will go up. For the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be assigned to us. By the way, this idea it seems it's kind of strange to us in modern warfare, because if you stepped out within sight, they aren't going to say, come up here, fight us, or you wait there, we'll come get you. What they do, they go, boom, oops, okay? But that isn't the way it was then. It was different then. So, you know, they could see, they had to actually come close to fight. All right, so he's saying, this is how we'll know what God wants us to do. Verse 11, so both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. Right? Because remember what had they done? What had so many of the people done? Gone into hiding. All two of them looked. They came out of their holes. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan, his armor bearer, and said, come up to us and we will show you something. Now, 
And I, I think, you know, that we wouldn't quite say that. We'd say, come up here and we'll teach you a thing or two. <laughs> right? We'll show you what's up. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come, come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. Remember, that's what he had said. If God wants us to go forward. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees, so it's very steep, hands and knees with his armor bearer after him, and they, and they, the Philistines, fell before Jonathan. That means he was striking them down. And as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. That first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within about a half an acre of land. And so this, this, this uh, detail that the Philistines have put out down the path through the mountain pass to guard the pass has been defeated and, and wiped out. And a half an acre, I think it's probably about the size of our parking lot. So in that area, that's where it took place. Verse 15. And there was trembling in the camp, in the Philistines' camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled. And the earth quaked so that it was a very great trembling. God miraculously what? Hey, these guys are getting scared. They are, they are confused about what's happening, what's going on. Earthquake. How does earthquake make people feel? Right? So God is just adding to the mix for them. Uh, verse 16, now the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked. So they're on the walls looking out of the city and they see. And there was the multitude melting away. And they went here and there. So the Philistines are taken off in all different directions. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, now call the roll and see who has gone from us. And when they had called the roll, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. And Saul said to Ahijah, bring the ark of God here. For at that time the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Now it happened while Saul talked to the priests that the noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So it's, it's the sound of, of battle going on. And so Saul said to the priests, withdraw your hand. In other words, whatever, however they, they did this, it's enough. We're going to go. Verse 20. Then Saul and all the people who were with him assembled and they went to the battle and indeed, every man's sword was against his neighbor, and there was very great confusion in the Philistines. Verse 21, moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp from the surrounding country. So understand that some of the Israelites had kind of gone to the other side. We're not going to fight. We'll just join you guys. But now they see what's happening it says, they also joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. So within their own ranks now, people are fighting against them. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim when they heard that the Philistines fled, they also followed hard after them in the battle. So everybody's now coming together, driving the Philistines out. Verse 23. So Jonathan saved Israel that day. Saul's army saved Israel that day. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle shifted to Beth Avon. The rest of the chapter tells us how that goes. Um, so, one of the things we learn right away is we look at Jonathan's bold faith, because Jonathan's bold faith is what precipitated this, right? Bold faith decisions lead to bold actions. Anything in your life, anywhere in your life where you feel like you need to be bolder? 
one that hits most of us, do you think you would be better if you were bolder in your witnessing? I don't mean louder. I don't mean rougher. I mean you actually choose to open your mouth and speak, right? And there are other ways in our lives probably where we need to address issues and don't. We need this boldness. So understand that if we can make some bold faith decisions, then we'll be able to do those bold faith actions, those bold actions. All right, so four things I want you to see from the story here about Jonathan today. And the first one is this. The Lord is not limited by your limitations. In verse number six, Jonathan said, he says, it may be the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Amen. Right? And we've seen that. We just saw last week, Gideon's 300 against thousands. The Lord is not limited by your limitations. Now, that's really good news because I want you to think, what have you, what area of your life have you struggled not to do what probably needs to do because you say, you know what? I just don't know enough to do that. I don't have the ability to do that, the ability to speak, the ability, whatever. I, I don't have the ability to do that. Um, I don't have any support for this in my life. Nobody else would agree with this decision. Um, whatever it is, God is not limited by your limitations. And so we come to this, and we, we come to this situation, say, okay, God, you, you want me to, to do something about this relationship. I mean, it needs to change in a way that's going to honor you, okay? But I, I'm kind of afraid here, God. I, I don't know how this person is going to respond. I, I'm afraid they might, I, I might lose the relationship, or, or they'll strike out. I don't know, but God, I, I'm convinced that my relationship with this person is not honoring to you the way it is. It needs to change. And, and so I have to, to do something. I have to talk to this person about it. But God, I don't know how. But I'm going to what? Trust you. That is a bold faith decision. Very bold. And then you find out. You go do what God says. God can save with small number or large number. God can save with great ability, no ability, if God is telling you to do something, you need to what? Do it. Don't let your limitations be an excuse as to why you wouldn't. Uh, Jeremiah chapter, uh, thir is it 32? My eyes are not working here. It says, behold, I am the Lord. Is there anything too hard for me? And what's the answer to that question? No, there isn't. Uh, in Luke chapter 1, Mary has these questions. The angel's saying, you're going to have a baby. Yes, I know you've never been with a man, but you're going to have a baby. He's going to be the Savior, the Son of God. And she asks a good question. How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel explains the Holy Spirit's going to come and do this. And then he says this, for with God, nothing will be impossible. What will be impossible? Nothing will be impossible. Your limitations do not limit God. Be bold in your faith. The second thing that, that we want to see is this, that bold faith decisions will bring you greater clarity about your circumstances. So let's look here. Back down verse 8. You know, Jonathan says, okay, the, the question is, should we go up and fight them, meet them up there, or should we wait for them to come down here and fight them? How do we know? He says, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. 
we're going to get God's direction on this. Right? And if, if, if they say this to us, we'll know this. And if they say that to it, we'll know this. But here's the deal. Jonathan has to make the faith decision to show himself, to come out into the open, or he will never find out. Do you see that? So here he is on this side of the decision, and we want to have this battle, and I don't know which way is better to do this. I don't know which we should do. And because I don't know which we should do, I ain't going to do either of them. And what? Nothing ever happens, right? He has to make a faith decision. Okay, I believe this is what God wants us to do, so we're going to do it. He steps out and does it, and then he what? He gets clarity about the circumstances. They say, come up here. Is there anything in your life, a decision you're facing, a problem you're dealing with, where you say, oh, I wish I knew more. I wish I knew what was going to happen what the response is going to be. I wish I knew what I'm going to have to do. And so you stay on this side of the faith decision and you never find out. How do you find out? You step up and say, okay, God, this, I believe this is what you're telling me to do. So what your word says, it applies here. I'm going to trust it. And you step out over here and you find out. You get much greater clarity on this side of the faith decision. It is crucial uh, to make these bold faith decisions. Third thing, the Lord will work with you when you work with him by making bold faith decisions. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, we aren't read the rest of it. It's an interesting story in the rest of the chapter, which is not our focus today. But at the end of the chapter, the people of God who have been part of this great victory, they describe what Jonathan did this way. They say, he has worked with God this day. How could Jonathan be so, how could he accomplish these great things? How could he make such a difference for the people of God? Because he what? He has worked with God this day. And then we read this at the end of our passage, verse 23, so the Lord saved Israel that day. What if Jonathan had stayed back here and Saul had kept sitting under the pomegranate tree? Right? Jonathan makes a decision to, I'm going with God. I'm going to work with God. Whatever God's doing on this, I'm going with him in this. Okay? And so God does this great work because Jonathan works with him. The Lord will work with you and you work with him by making bold decisions. Uh, do you know that God is looking for people like this? Even in here today, God is looking for people who will live this way, who will be bold in their faith and make those decisions to do what God says. And, and so that then God will engage them in their lives in a way they never experienced before. Second Chronicles chapter 16, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And I would say when we're talking about heart is loyal to him, some of the loyal heart does what? Here's what you have said, God. 
I'm going with you. And what it's telling us is that God is looking for us to live that way. He's looking for people who, rather than stay on this side of the faith decision, go, ah, all my limitations, all my problems, I'm fears. No, instead we say, God, I'm going with you. And we step over here, God says, all right, now watch what I can do. And, and you know, we've, I've told you stories in the past, and so I won't uh, go into them again today, but about how Glenda and I, and our experience with our finances and the Lord, and, and understand, learning what he says, and doing our finances his way, and giving the way that he says, and in spite of some mistakes I made, lack of wisdom, bad decisions, how God worked. And, and you know where God did that work? Not on this side of that faith decision. There were multiple faith decisions that had to be made. And by God's grace, we, we saw it and made those decisions. And God did a great work over here. He has shown himself strong in our lives. And there's times when we've talked about the future. And who, who, anybody here ever thought about, wow, what's my future like? What's going to happen? You know? We know already that God has shown himself strong in our lives. And if we will just keep making those faith decisions, he will continue to show himself strong in your life. Isn't it awesome when you hear a story about how God did something almost miraculous? Isn't it? Don't you love those kinds of stories? They happen on this side of the faith decision. And that can be you. Think, if, it, if it's me again this week, and it's you again this week, and, and all of us, what starts to happen in our church, in our world? God is real. We've seen it. God is strong. Not only am I experiencing it, you're experiencing it, and you're experiencing it. This is exciting living. Are you sitting under the pomegranate tree like Saul and wonder about what to do? Um... Last point. When you work with God by making bold faith decisions, he will do amazing things in your life. I've kind of already come to that, right? When, when you work with God by making bold faith decisions, he will do amazing things in your life. Things that when you're on this side of the faith decisions saying, I don't know, I don't know. When you're on this the side of the faith decision, it's let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you what God is doing. So a world of difference. Ephesians chapter 3, and we might not be surprised, describes Christ as him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Exceedingly abundantly beyond. Jeremiah 33, the prophet says, call to me. This is God speaking through the prophet. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I'm not going to go there, but if you read the next eight verses after that, maybe take a note of this and read the next eight verses after it, and even more, it just talks about what God is going to do. He says, yeah, your life has been in devastation because of how you've lived. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring healing. I'm going to restore. I'm going to bring abundance. I'm going to bring, I mean, it's just on and on and on and on. He talks about what it's going to be like when he does his thing. <laughs> when God does what he alone is able to do. So let's, let's, key thought for you here today then is this. That faith decisions are bold decisions. Right? 
Because we come to a place where we don't know what's coming after this decision. But we'd go with God anyway. That's a bold decision. So here's the challenge. Be bold in your faith. Be bold in your faith. Don't ever let up here, oh, I don't know what's in it. No, God is so much bigger than all of that stuff. Remember, he's not limited by your limitations. And we go on down the list, right? So be bold in your faith. So what is it today that you need to be bolder in your faith about? What, what issues are you facing? Who is there that you need to boldly step out in faith and share Christ with? Try to open up a conversation with you can share the gospel. Who is that? Where, where do you need to do that? Be bold in your faith about that. I already talked about a relationship that isn't honoring the Lord. If that's you, right, be bold in your faith in those things, in your finances. How about health decisions? You got any health problems you're facing today? Well, what does God say? Look to those things and then be bold and go forward with him in it. Uh, any addictions that you have that you'd like to break, any pain, whether it's physical or emotional, your soul pain that is overwhelming you, right? Uh, be bold in your faith. Um, maybe you have a child who has walked away from the Lord and you don't know what to do and you're overwhelmed by it and and, and you're tempted to throw in the towel on your own faith. Don't do that. Be bold in your faith. God will work in your life. Remember, you get on this side. And I, let me say this to you. You make the bold faith decision. You come over here. This, this is not about someone else's decision. In other words, God isn't telling you make a bold faith decision. He's going to make somebody else change. What he promises, you make this bold decision, I will enable you to change, to deal with this. So much more we could talk about, huh? Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Jonathan and the boldness that's there. Lord, help us to see that we can and should make bold faith decisions. And knowing that... Um, when all is said and done, we're making this bold faith decision, doing what we think you've told us to do, that ultimately you're the one who will give the victory, as we saw in this story. But we will have worked with you, and then you will work in our lives. Give us a big view of this, Lord. Motivate us, inspire us to live by faith and to have boldness in that faith. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.